Welcome to Trawler Talk, the official podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, the long-range cruising authority. I'm your host, Editor-in-Chief Jeff Moser. If this is your first time here, welcome, and if you're a returning listener, thanks for coming back. Before we get into today's episode, a word from our sponsor, Atlantis Marine Finance. When it comes to getting a loan for your new boat, there are a lot of options out there, and not all are created equal. Atlantis Marine Finance focuses solely on the boat and yacht space and understand the complexities that sometimes come with boat buying. For more information on financing your dream boat, head on over to AtlantisMarineFinance.com. Now, on to our episode. Our next guest, Andre Lay, came to my attention in the comments section of our Instagram feed, at PassageMakerMac. I generally try and read all the comments on our posts, and I often respond if folks have follow-up questions that I can easily answer. Well, Andre was the first person that I've encountered that simply said, that's my boat. He was referring to the Sea Piper 35, and after I reached out about his experiences with the vessel, a short conversation about fuel burn and construction became a much longer and interesting dive into Andre's varied background and his very ambitious flow plan with the goal of circumnavigating North America. I hope you enjoy the podcast. So Cavendish um, is a uh, brand new uh, 36-foot single diesel trawler style, um, quite reminiscent of a a work boat or um, sort of a, a main... Uh, lobster boat looking thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we we had featured the boat a few months ago in our print publication, but you wanted to just talk a little bit about Sea Piper and the build. Yeah, sure. Uh, so this is number fourteen, mm-hmm. and uh, um, I put pen to paper. You know, uh, kind of uh, uh, committed back in. Oh, I think it was twenty nineteen, and then um, I took delivery in January of. Uh, it's now 2023, um, so it, was, it, it you know it took a while to 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 get the boat, and a lot of that is because um, the world happened in between. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if any of your listeners listeners are have heard of COVID nineteen, but um, <laughs> it's this brand named uh, virus that really threw the world for a loop. And mm-hmm. So there were a lot of delays there, and mm-hmm. a massive increase in um, in the builders' costs and things unfortunately. Um, and this is the last one that was produced in China and, uh, they're now, uh, being produced in Anacortes and some, I mean, I, I managed to get very lucky where, um, uh, you know, I, I bought this brand new boat and I actually now have equity in it because, uh, um, my price point was a lot lower back in 2019, but now, now they're going for a lot, lot more money. Oh, so well, I, I look got, at you. I got really lucky there, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the boat, from the, from the, you know, it, its profile, the boat looks like a little, like if you took a North Sea trawler work boat and you shrunk it. It's got a, really what I think defines it is its pilot house and its um, center cockpit. Uh, what is it about the Sea Piper that attracted you to the design? Yeah, sure. So, um, I, 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 when I found Sea Piper, um, I, I had a, uh, I was already a, a, a boat owner of a, a 44 foot, um, 19, uh, 1965 pacemaker. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a wood hull, you know, call it a, uh, I think they call it a flush deck, uh, twin, uh, big block gasoline motors. And mm-hmm. I sort of, uh, you know, bought it for cheap and rehabbed it and, um, 
and really enjoyed that boat. But um, I think when I when I started looking at trawlers, um, I was I probably searched for something like you know economical trawler, and um, uh, you know my I still loved my my previous boat, but I mm-hmm. I say that the love affair was over. So I had done pretty much everything I wanted to do it in terms of. Um, making it uh, uh, worthy of taking out, making it uh, look really gorgeous. Um, so I was very proud of it, but the love affair was over. So once I found uh, Sea Piper, I got in touch with them, and I was working down in um, in the Long Beach area at the time. And just so happens that one of the uh, one of the boats was down there, and so we we uh, Rizzo and I met up and. Uh, saw saw one of the boats, and I said, "Yep, yep, this is this is what I'm interested in, uh-huh. um, for sure." So I'm a mariner by trade. You know, I'm I make my living working on the water, and uh-huh. having having done that, and having owned um, one boat previously, I it really gave me a sense of what is um, what I think I want, and what I actually need in a boat. Um, and there's a lot of whiz bang things that are, they might look cool, but perhaps I've experienced that they fail or they're, you know, they're not worth the money or the time or the effort. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really impressed with how this boat has um, sort of everything I need and nothing I don't. Um, I mean, I'm, you know, having, having come from a wood boat, I'm pretty pleased that this one has zero wood on the exterior. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, varnishing sure looks gorgeous, but, um, you know, I, I, I it's, you got to be in the right mood for that. You know, yeah, yeah. I think you have to be the right, right person to do that. So I'm things like that where I don't, I'll never have to worry about, uh, varnishing outside, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I grew up in uh, New Jersey, and pacemakers were built there. So I've seen a bunch of those wood boats, and there's still some sort of rotting slowly away at the uh, State Marina in my town. And you know, it just needs a little bit of got a lot of bit of love. But um, tell me about your background in maritime as a trade. Yeah, sure. Um, well, I'll start with I was eight years old when my dad bought his first boat, and mm-hmm. um, my dad uh, was really cool in how he, he taught me things and um he wasn't he wasn't afraid to let me try and you know give me encouragement and um mm. this was a uh, what a 50 foot uh, twin screw uh with a fly bridge and i mean by the time i was i could just barely see over the combing of the fly bridge i was i was docking this thing maneuvering it and um you know he was my dad was always there to to help me if i got into trouble but Aside from that, you know, he'd just give me a few pointers and say, okay, remember which way the wind's coming from and think about where, you know, you want to be set up so you can, you know, uh, execute your maneuver here. Mm-hmm. And so that gave me a ton of confidence and it. Yeah. That's what uh, made me realize uh, that I absolutely loved the, the water and boats. Um, and uh, it wasn't until fairly recently that I uh, did become a merchant mariner. Um, you know, within the past 10 years and, mm-hmm. um, uh, never looked back really. Um, uh, I mean, heck it, hindsight is twenty twenty, and I could have saved a lot of money, um, by, you know, uh, becoming a, 
uh, licensed caps in earlier on, but um, that's fine. That's uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm happy for all the experiences I've had. You had a career in a different field completely before you came to be a merchant mariner. Isn't that correct? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I uh, did do my higher education uh, in at uh, CU Boulder. Um, I mean, I did everything from ski patrol, um, a uh, semi-professional skydiver. Mm-hmm. Oh. Um, yeah, um, <laughs> uh, paramotoring, uh, um, uh, 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 cinematography, aerial cinematography. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, quite a lot. And then uh, uh, commercial diving as well. I, I was a... Uh, a scuba diver for you know for pleasure and uh, I, I enjoyed it so much but I, I found that I I would I thought you know I'd really like to be down here doing something with my hands you know other than just sightseeing mm-hmm. and I uh, trained to become a calm diver and uh, did that for a bit and had a fantastic time with it um, so so by the time I got to uh, decide I would I wanted to be a licensed captain I was uh, had a lot of other things under my belt, and some of it was marine-related. You know, in terms of living on board a dive ship, and mm-hmm. uh, I had done uh, I had done two uh, transocean deliveries one one from Santa Barbara, California, to uh, New Zealand. Wow. And that was a seven-month trip, and mm-hmm. frankly, by the end of that, I I thought, you know. I, I, I don't need to see any any more open water. Um, <laughs> but um, a couple of years later, I was living in England uh, doing diving. And, and uh, I am British-born, so it's, it's no problem for me to, to be living over there. Um, and then I, I kind of wanted a change of pace. I think I remember telling myself I didn't want to spend another winter there and um, – I decided to get on a, a boat to help deliver it from Southampton, England to St. Lucia in the Caribbean. Mm-hmm. That was a 45-day trip. Yeah. So how long have you been settled in the Bay Area at this point? Oh, uh, the vast majority of my life, mm-hmm. um, living living in the East Bay. Uh, so, you know, since I was, uh, you know, uh, since I was a, a, a wee tyke and then um, – so this is this is where you know family is. This is uh, largely home to me, but I sure enjoy traveling. You know, I've lived in, um, in Colorado for seven years and uh, United Kingdom for about three years as an adult. Mm-hmm. Um, but I uh, I do keep coming back to the Bay Area. Yeah. Okay. So you've got a pretty ambitious float plan. We we we've talked offline about what you want to do with the Sea Piper 35. So before we get into that float plan, tell me about some of the trips you've taken on board the boat just to sort of ring her out and see, you know, how the systems are working and things like that. Have you done some decent trips? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> um, well, the first uh, the first trip was my uh, shakedown cruise from Southern California to Northern California. So I, I had spent about two weeks with the boat before I departed. Um, doing, you know, relatively short runs, like from Long Beach over to Santa Catalina. I think that's, I think that's about a, a marathon's length. I think that's 26 miles or something. But mm-hmm. anyway, it's far enough to, to, uh, you know, figure out, um, you know, how the boat handles and, 
And, you know, does it inspire confidence or does it uh, instill uh, any fear or anything? So I got to experience all that and then um, had a uh, old college buddy fly out and he helped me bring it up the coast. And we spent uh, eight wonderful days doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, and by, by the end of that, I was, um, I was uh, you know, able to start getting a baseline for what my fuel consumption is. And, um, what little tweaks I might like to make, but largely I was, uh, very, very impressed right off the bat with, uh, with how the boat ha- <clears throat> handles. Um, unfortunately found ourselves in some, um, pretty, you know, well, it was a, it was a small craft advisory and, uh, we were mm-hmm. just beating into it right on the nose. It was, um, it was pretty legitimate, you know, it was, um, it, it was it was pretty decent pretty decent seas and uh the boat didn't leak a drop i mean but it was being blasted per- perpetually with uh heavy spray and even some solid water so yeah. that um kind of put my mind at ease although i was thankful to get out of that weather yeah. i thought wow you know i'm um this boat is really built pretty stoutly that's great to hear um and then yeah. So that's a ring out of, you know, several hundred nautical miles from Southern and Northern California where you currently have your boat. Um, so let's talk about this float plan. You had told me about a pretty ambitious one via email, and um, I, had, I happened to be reporting on the Sea Piper at the same time, so I was intrigued. Um, what are your plans for the next, uh, is it about a year maybe or so, or maybe even longer? A year. Yeah, Jeff, it is a year and, and okay. maybe longer, but um, gosh, uh, it, it sure is ambitious. So um, <laughs> I, I've been I've been uh, following news on the Northwest Passage for a couple of years and mm-hmm. um, have a uh, somewhat of a fascination with the North for no particular reason, but maybe because it's a, a place in the world I've never been to and. Um, uh, I think I, I would, I sure would like to, uh, while I'm while I'm still on on this planet, and so as the um, as the, the temperatures uh, are trending warmer up there, uh, it, it's becoming more and more viable to transit it um, through clear water, and so the sea ice just retreats a little bit uh, further than it, it has in the past, say you know, hundred or five hundred, one thousand years. So a passage that didn't really used to exist because it was choked with ice now does exist in the summer months up there. Um, and, uh, did, you know, in doing research on it, um, I didn't even have the boat yet, but I, I just, I thought, you know, what a, I think this could be a, a, a great boat to do that, uh, Northwest passage with. Mm-hmm. And I, I talked with uh, Rizzo Montinga, the designer, and he he did agree. Um, and uh, so so then I got into researching some, you know, the ocean currents and things. And I thought, you know, if I go from uh, west to east, then uh, that would be fantastic, sure. But then the boat's over on the east coast. And mm-hmm. thought, well, it's a little anticlimactic to then truck the boat back. Yeah, with, I mean... Uh, one of the good things about that design by Rizzo is it's the beam is under nine feet, makes it easy, easy trailerable. But why would you want to do that if you don't have to? Is that what you're saying? 
Th- that's what I'm saying. Um, okay. You know, I mean, uh, a lot of other people would um, would would you know it, it's absolutely fine to uh, uh, tow it over the road, but I, I'm still just young enough to have the desire to not do that. So, in uh, looking at all the the uh, currents around uh, North America, I took the the big idea of transiting the Northwest Passage to um, why don't I circumnavigate North America in a counterclockwise fashion? Wow. Um, and uh, tongue in cheek, you know, people ask me, well, how do you do that? And I say, well, you, you, you exit the Golden Gate and you turn left <laughs> and you keep turning left until you get back to the Golden Gate. Yeah, um, it's, it's a little more complicated than a uh, NASCAR race, but... Uh... <laughs> it's yeah, it's more than a left turn contest, but yeah. Um, yeah so the the float plan is is uh, to to leave leave from the Bay Area mm-hmm. um, in uh, less than a month now, and this is uh, what October uh, we're mid October, mm-hmm. and uh, start heading south, um, uh, ultimately through the Panama Canal, mm-hmm. and then uh, through the Caribbean, back to the United States. And up the uh, eastern seaboard, I'm, I'm sure I'll uh, go into the uh, intercoastal for a bit, mm-hmm. and then um, proceeding up to Nova Scotia, and then Greenland for a final um, provision and uh, outfit of the boat, and then uh, make a bid for the Northwest Passage. And this is this is all it, it's it's technically possible within a year. Because you're following seasons, so yeah, you're gonna um, you're gonna miss the you're gonna arrive in the I guess through the Panama Canal. The hurricane season will be over after. I mean, you could get uh, you, this isn't something I'm suggesting, but I mean the this, the Pacific Mexican coast is probably just absolutely amazing place. You can stay there for a few years and just be like, okay, well, I've changed my mind, but. Pers- Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I hear um, <laughs> I hear stories of people that have uh, uh, other world cruising plans, and they get to you know Baja and the Sea of Cortez, and a decade later, they still haven't had their fill of it. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm 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 well aware that that plans can and do change, but <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, following the seasons okay. uh, is is the name of the game, and then of mm-hmm. course. You know, getting uh, up north in the summer months, and yeah. uh, when I say a, a bid for the Northwest Pass, well, you know, may, maybe it's a heavy ice here. Maybe, maybe it's not feasible without an icebreaker, which yeah. this boat is not. <laughs> no, it's um, not. So I, yeah, I'm, I'm not trying to be foolhardy, but, no. um, but I am trying to set myself up for. Yeah, those the ice, best those ice charts are, you know. They are very reliable, but I mean, I was looking at some in July because we had a, a cus, uh, someone who we were featuring who was taking a boat up through Greenland and Iceland, and they, you know, they had to make a mm, 300 nautical mile or so detour because it just wasn't clear of ice at that point anymore. And uh, you just don't know at this point what when the ice will be clear and you can get through. So, but having the plan is a start, isn't it? An ambitious, yeah, an ambitious yeah. plan ambitious and it's you know it's a moving target you know you um i i believe one needs to be flexible um i think being flexible uh is a harbinger to safety 
you know, if you say, damn the torpedoes and come what way, come what may, I will do this. Um, that's, uh, that's great stuff for, uh, heroes and movies, but, um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not shooting a movie, so I'm, uh, yeah. trying to do this safely, um, efficiently. And, um, uh, I, I will adapt to, uh, changing conditions, changing, uh, life circumstances, all that. Well, it's, it's quite ambitious, as I said earlier. And, uh, will you have some people join you along the way for portions of the trip, friends, family? Uh, uh yeah, yeah, I will. Um, uh, I think, uh, myself plus one or plus two is ideal, mm-hmm. uh, without feeling like we're stepping on each other's toes. Yeah. Um, you know, as compared with, uh, making passages in a sailboat, there's, there is plainly less work. Um, uh, now of course if, if, you know, the drawback is, um, you know, if the engine dies, I, I don't have a sailboat, of course. Mm-hmm. So that means, you know, you're preparing for um, foreseeable um, uh, equipment outages and things. Yeah. But, um, you know, uh, so long as things are working right, then, I mean, you're, you know, the boat's running on autopilot and you're really just keeping watch for um, the things that we all know and hate, like, you know, uh, freighter ships, um, uh, crab pots, whales, uh, floating containers, God forbid. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, although, you know, those last two things, you're not really going to see them, um, especially at night. You <laughs> until, won't see them until you, until you run, too late, until so. you run into them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Before we get into sort of the, uh, what's really driving you on this trip besides your love of adventure, um, what kind of redundancies are you building into, um, the name of your boat is Cavendish, Cavendish, uh, this, you know, as far as spare parts and things like that and. What are you looking at it for redundancies to keep you going along the way? Yeah, good question. So I'll um, I'll tell you what I've uh, what I've added to the boat, sort of the big ticket items. So um, a, a life raft. Uh, I've now got a, a uh, hydrostatic released life raft mm-hmm. out on deck. Um, you know, I, I it's it, it it's uh, sort of one of these things where you you. Uh, cry once when you pay for it and you're happy for the rest of the time. So it's, um, sure it's a chunk of change, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, God forbid that you actually need it. And that chunk of change is absolutely peanuts, um, mm-hmm. in, in a life-saving situation. Um, added an E-curve, added AIS. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've added a, uh, water maker Good. because, uh, water is the, would be the first, uh, consumable to, uh, that you, that I would deplete. Um, so I'd run out of water before fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, I've added, uh, solar, uh, up top. So that's working out great. Having 400 Watts up there. I don't even plug into shore power anymore. Wow. Um, and then spare parts, um, your, your obvious consumables like filters and, uh, belts. Um, but also a, a spare alternator because that is, um, uh, uh, I suppose, to put it in the worst light, that's sort of the um, uh, a critical uh, failure point, you know. Yeah. So if I, if I stop generating uh, power for the for the battery bank, then uh, that's quickly going to become a problem. 
Um, so I do have a uh, spare alternator, and I've haven't gotten gotten a complement of hoses and things. Um, I decided it was uh, not not needed yet, but um, you know, if a hose does uh, part, then I can uh, repair it myself underway before I you know get into port and you know refit a, the proper hose. Mm-hmm. Got it. Um, um, hmm. Oh, and a propeller line cutter as well. Okay. Yeah, and that, yeah. I think one of the smart things that the builders did is equip that boat with that Beta Marine engine, which is based on the Kubata, I believe. And the, you, you could find parts for that anywhere on the planet, probably because they supply the farm equipment other machinery, other on land machinery. So I think that you're, if you were in some remote harbor and you needed a part, you, you, you might be in luck a lot faster than someone with a different power plant. You're exactly right. And it's, uh, it, it was chosen for the reasons that you mentioned. I think originally they were uh, toying around with uh, options such as maybe a Volvo or Yanmar, but uh, out of, you know, out of 10 people I ask or anyone else asks, um, what's your experience with the uh, Beta Marine engine? 10 of those people, 100%, will have good things to say. Um, so it's, yeah, it's it's all mechanical. You know, you need a battery to start it, and then, and then that's it. Um, it will keep running. So uh, it's, it's simple in that respect so you don't need you know when something goes wrong i don't need to fly out mr volvo repairman with his laptop to start <laughs> diagnostics uh, yeah the, the idea is you know this boat has uh, such a tremendous range for its size that you can get to far-flung places and when something goes goes wrong mm-hmm. um i would hope that i can fix it myself so yeah. That's great. Yeah, and those other engines are great, but like you said, you might need some other diagnostics that you won't be able to do, and this is a mechanical engine. It seems like it's the right choice for the boat. So my next question, and one of my final questions would be about what inspired you to go on this trip? And you had mentioned to me a little bit before we started taping about your father and growing up with your father. Um, so why don't we talk about that for a minute? Sure. Um, uh, well, it, it's it's such a big trip that it, I, I find it deserves um, some recognition, and it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not really for me, honestly. I'm um, I'm not into uh, social media. I'm hardly into picture taking, really. I, I just uh, like experiences uh, for myself, and I'm I'm entirely satisfied with that. I don't I don't have a desire to. Um, you know, broadcast it to the world, uh, you know, mm-hmm. except with a few close friends. But, um, so my, my father is, uh, he's now 84 years old. Mm-hmm. And, um, he, uh, his career was, uh, he, he was a, uh, an amateur bodybuilder. And this was a, a time and place when, um, bodybuilders were considered kind of freakish and, and really the, the, the freakish people were all in Venice beach, California. And, uh, uh, he was certainly not in Venice beach, you know, he was in Blackpool, England. And so, um, he and his, his, uh, weightlifting buddies, um, would have to, you know, cause 
weight equipment didn't exist. You know, there was there was no concept of a home gym or a um, you know a, a public or a, a membership gym. So you know they would um, figure things out in the garage and um, basically put things together that were heavy and do their exercise. <laughs> Uh, nice. So th- this was, you know, this was um, around about the era of uh, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it was starting to get um, a little bit more popular, but um, they found that they were using so much energy to swap between their exercises mm-hmm. that um, that they weren't able to put all their all their energy into the actual mechanic of the of the exercise. And uh, my dad thought that there's got to be a better way. And so he um, wound up developing uh, equipment that would be um, that, that, that would allow him to more effectively do, do the exercises. Wow. And that, that gave birth to what we now know as um, a, uh, a single uh, exercise unit with multiple stations on it mm-hmm. and a pin selection weight rack. So, you know, on the one side, you can select your weight and do a bench press. On the other side, you can do uh, select your weight with a pin and do lat pulldowns, et cetera. Yeah, pretty much the basis for a good portion of the gym equipment we see at uh, places today. It, exactly. Um, and uh, so so uh, he, he built his company on that and then um, wound up selling it and we moved to, to uh, America. And uh, so I was at this point when we moved to America, I was, uh, like I said, I was a, uh, a young lad mm-hmm. and uh, my dad was able to spend a lot of time with me growing up and he's uh, adventurous, uh, quite adventurous himself. Mm-hmm. And uh, we had a, you know, I had a great upbringing, like me and my sister did. Um, but then at around the age of 50, he uh, started being more, simply tired uh more more than you know just uh due to age alone and um ultimately was diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome uh which has some other more technical terms but we'll stick with chronic uh, cfs mm-hmm. and um unfortunately that really changed his um changed his life quite a bit um you know thankfully he's he's still alive it's not uh you know like it's a terminal illness or anything but mm-hmm. It really uh, changed his his whole uh, um, his whole way of life, you know, from being somebody that um, you know was a bodybuilder, which inherently requires a heck of a lot of um, energy and and desire. Mm-hmm. So then it was sort of having that energy uh, taken away from you, and um, he, you know, he'll say that sometimes. You know, some days he feels great and uh, uh, can accomplish a lot, but inevitably, uh, if he overworks himself, then other days he'll feel like walking just to the mailbox is is like uh, you know uh, trekking to China or something. Yeah. It's just that's, um, that's got to be tough for him. Yeah, yeah, it sure is, and I I, I can only imagine. Um, but I, I know it is tough for him. You know, it's maybe it's equivalent to. Um, you know, uh, a, uh, long distance runner who, who, uh, 
has uh, knee replacements or something, you know, yeah. they'll just never quite be the same. You're just sidelined. So, so, I mean, you said that you're maybe not into the social media thing or taking a lot of photos, but I think that, you know, to highlight CFS and maybe not gain publicity, but just to sort of put it out there that you're doing this trip and your, your background about your father and how he raised you and what he's become and still out there do, trying to do as much as he can. I think that says a lot about, you know, your motivation for doing this circumnavigation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in his honor, um, it's, it, it's in the honor of, um, you know, the rest of my family, frankly, mm-hmm. um, it's part of the reason why the boat is named, uh, named what it is. We can touch on if we want to, but, um, I'm, I'm pleased that I'll be able to attempt this while, uh, while he is still around. And, uh, I know that he would, he would love to join me if at all possible, but mm-hmm. it's, um, it's simply not, not possible for him health wise. And so to, to be able to, uh, do it with, with his spirit with me, um, is going to be a, a, a really lovely thing. That's great. That's well said. Um, so I guess the last thing you could tell me about is the name of the boat. I think we had said it earlier, but just tell me about where it comes from. Oh, sure. So um, as, as we've uh, now established, so, uh, we are, uh, uh, I am English born, uh, 100% English blood. And um, in England, it's very common for houses to have uh, names as their official address. So mm-hmm. rather than 123 Main Street, it might be, um, you know, Hill Cottage Main Street. Um, Got it. And that it, it doesn't necessarily mean it is a uh, grand house or a common house. Um, but uh, my my parents would frequent a, a hotel in Derbyshire uh, named the Cavendish Hotel, and it's uh, I've been there myself. It's an old and uh, uh, very uh, uh, hotel with beautiful grounds. And when we uh, moved to California, they were able to build their dream house, and um, they named it the Cavendish House, um, which is obviously not really common in the states to name the house. So, mm-hmm. of course, we had an official USPS address, but uh, to us, it was named Cavendish House. Got it. So, um, so in a homage to to what uh, they were able to do with the house. Um, you know, I, I decided to name uh, my boat, which, you know, which I accomplished through, you know, my own uh, desire and hard work and everything. Uh, if I were to name the boat Cavendish, it would, um, it's meant to be a, uh, 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 a sort of a homage and a, uh, and a tip of the hat, if you were, to, to the family. To me, it sounds like a fitting tribute. And Andre, I got to really thank you for your time today. And I'm going to make you promise to keep in touch along the way and get yourself a little point and shoot, take a bunch of photos. I mean, iPhones are really great for that too these days, but promise me you'll keep in touch along the way and keep us updated on your trip. I sure will. And that, Oh, that reminds me of uh, one, uh, one device I've just added, which will make Uh it possible to keep in touch is uh, I've just fitted a Starlink up on the roof and, um, uh, uh, it, it seems to be working great, so I'm um, I'm sure I'll be thrilled with that as well. So yep. I'll be 
well-connected. Great. Great to hear the lot of success with those. So it's uh, great chatting with you and I really appreciate you reaching out to me. And uh, again, best of luck. Oh, thank you, Jeff. It's, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for a, a, a great time here. Thank you for listening to Trawler Talk, the podcast of Passage Maker Magazine, a long-range cruising authority. If you enjoyed this episode, please do us a favor and go ahead and click that five-star rating. We would really appreciate it. And if you're not a subscriber to Passage Maker, it's easier than ever to get our magazine delivered to wherever you lay your head. Just go to passagemaker.com slash subscribe. This episode of Trawler Talk features post-production from Nate Gruca at Active Interest Media. For Passage Maker Magazine, this is Editor-in-Chief Jeff Moser. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, fair winds and safe travels.